Welcome everyone. This is the Penciled In Podcast, the show where two working artists and creators chat with guests. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Lindsay. We're going to be discussing so many interesting subjects with you guys. Art, sketch cards, collecting, publishing, tools, materials, all sorts. Perhaps we can finally understand why we all do this to ourselves. Hi everyone. This week we are talking with the amazing Michael Mastermaker. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We'd love to hear a little bit about how you got started in sketch cards or, or just in art in general. Have you always drawn? Did you draw at school? Did you go to college? Yeah, What's I ba- been- <laughs> basically have not done anything else in my life. Um, as soon as I could hold a pencil, I, I drew. When I was, I think, three, I did a uh, comic book on a notepad of my interpretation of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> and at, at that time, I, I think it was, you know, the only thing that I really ever pursued. Um, I've, you know, professionally, I did go to school for art, um, but not uh, studio art, not fine art. I went to school for advertising art and design. Um, And then in the middle, I had a studio art background, but it was more of uh, painting, printmaking, and a little sculpting. And then uh, later on, uh, technology. Most of my career has been in either website design, software development, 3D animation. Um, This illustration is always something I've done as sort of like a a side hustle, (laughs) but not, uh, I've never ever in my, my adult life supported myself or my family as an illustrator. I've always had a a base career in graphic design or technology driven design and done illustration as either a, a, a part of the career that I was in or as something on the side and sketch cards came about just because, um, I was feeling lonely. Um, you know, when you're an artist uh, and you're around other artists, um, you you feel good about the creative process, right? It tends to be a really nice thing. And I wasn't, I was lacking a real art community. And I saw a lot of people online doing sketch cards. Um, and I sort of said that was pretty cool. And, and someone had gotten me a pack of the Strathmore Bristol sketch cards. And I, I drew a few. And posted them on Instagram and nobody cared. <laughs> it was just like, you know, you posted it out and you got like two likes and that was sort of a little heartbreaking. Um, but slowly as I got involved with the community, I met some really great people that were like, hey, you want to trade cards, you know? And um, that's what I started to do. I just started trading with all of these wonderful artists online. And uh, like Johnny Townsend was one of the first, my friend Johnny, who has a great podcast himself. Um, uh, retro bliss he, he's a great guy and he was one of the first people to reach out to me and i have one of his his cards right next to me on my, my desk and um dave gaskin uh and and mark mangum who was a star wars artist like like us he and i traded and became friendly and he was one of the people that said you know you should probably submit some work to tops um and they might be interested in in using you and he had contacted me right when the 40th anniversary of New Hope, uh, he said, invites went out today. You should send send an email, send an email. So I did. And um, that was it. I, I, I've been on every Star Wars set other than one since uh, since uh, the New Hope 40th anniversary. And the original idea was that, uh, you know, I'm sure you remember that back in the day, um, uh 
like you it was a lot more open with the styles that you can use right oh, so yeah. I, I was brought in to do my mar the marvel comics of the 70s were like a massive influence on me 70s and 80s and and i did sort of like a comic book version of the characters and of course that that slowly changed and my style had to kind of evolve with that but if you look at my early cards they're definitely like comic book versions of the characters rather than straight likenesses once of course the force awakens came uh, to the uh, to the theaters and then to the to the trading to the tops trading card thing then the style started to be much more photorealistic it was part of the part of the contract actually yes yeah i mean i'm not yeah i don't i don't you know you know my my work isn't photorealistic it's all line work and it's all hatching but it, i think you know i think they value if it's the likeness is is close enough yeah and it's a solid drawing i don't really think that they have a problem with that i just don't think they want like a caricature or um an artistic interpretation of the character they want you know the, the difference is in the past you were able to draw luke skywalker and now you're drawing mark hamill um yeah, that's right that's you know right. and that's just if you as long as you're okay with that and you accept that you know that's part of the deal of actually being a, a working sketch card artist or having it at least part of your job you kind of have to accept some of those things that you don't maybe really agree with or whatever but uh, yeah that's part of the so yeah yeah <laughs> so what are you what are you beginning to work on now or have you changed at all have you um have i changed i you know i'm working on um i still exhibit my work like um like artwork in galleries and exhibitions um i do sort of like larger scale uh paintings and um that are watercolor paintings and, and mostly fantasy illustration Beautiful. style Wow, that I I don't think I've seen any of your fantasy illustration style. Do you think yeah. that exhibiting your work is essential to keeping um, to keeping your name out there, or is it just something you're doing because you want to do it? Uh, you know, exhibit. Wow, that's a okay. So that's a, there's a lot of factors. Um, uh, again, community, like sense of community, is really important to me, and most of my friends. Um, our artists, our exhibiting artists, I met them at art shows and gallery shows. And that is really my, my people, you know, those are, those are the people that I gravitate towards other weirdos like myself that, you know, like, I'm not like it, you know, it's weird because like, you, you, you know, when you have interest the way that I, we do, I mean, look at all this garbage behind me that I surround myself with, you know, like anime and, and I'm, I'm a grown 46 year old man with, you know, an enormous amount of toys in my studio. Um, yeah you got it too right <laughs> so like it, you know the suburban and I'm, I live on Long Island which is a suburban area and it's it's uh, you know like I don't really have a whole lot in common with the other kindergarten dads that want to talk about um, uh, lawnmowers and fishing and I'm like you guys like E-Man <laughs> you guys like Orco um, <laughs> I don't really have anything in common with them so um, my people are my, my art friends are my people. And, and, you know, once you start exhibiting work and you're going to shows and you're meeting everybody, it's just a great feeling. Um, and you get this really wonderful sense of community and you meet the most interesting people from wonderful cultures. And it's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, and also, they also understand what you're talking about as well. Yeah. Cause I, I, you, know, you speak to, you speak to some of your friends. I've got no, no idea what you're talking about. You might as well. None, no, them, so. no, no. None whatsoever. And you feel like a weirdo all the time. Like, you know, like <laughs> not in a bad way, but just like a little, little off. Um, and then the other thing is my, my day job. I am a college professor 
um, at a, at a state school on Long Island. Um, and part of my job is scholarship where I, I'm expected to engage in scholarly activities. And I do publish papers. Um, I, I create storyboards, which are uh, design fictions or what we call design narrative um, that really speak to uh, design uh, technology and the human condition. So right now I'm working with a team on um, altered reality and blended spaces. Think like Pokemon uh, Go, where you use your phone or technology to interact with, with the real world. And I create storyboards that kind of detail those interactions. And we, we have an evaluation tool and that, that, that talks to whether or not that, that technology is successful. And I do all of that. And on top of that, because I feel like that's part of it, uh, exhibitions do count as scholarly activity. So I, I kind of am expected to do these things from my job. But the good thing is that quite, quite honestly, they're things that I would do naturally anyway, when left to my own devices, I, I've come to the realization in the last like two years, which has been a weird realization that I basically only like to watch movies and draw. So I don't really have any other hobbies, um, which is bad because it makes me feel like less, right. You're agreeing. Let's me makes me feel like less of a fully realized person, but um you know, I used to play a lot of video games. I used to derive a certain amount of enjoyment from that. And, I, you know, over Christmas this year, I, I bought some games on Steam thinking, oh, this will be a good way to unwind. And in the middle of a game, I was like, man, I would just much rather be drawing a goblin in my sketchbook or something. And, you know, I guess that's a good place to be in. Um, and sketch cards are perfect because I can do those at the dining room table. You know, they're, they're small, they're easy, they're, they're relatively quick or should be. Um, if you want them to be equitable, they have to be quick. Um, and I do them obsessively, you know, I, before we've even, you know, it from seven o'clock in the morning till nine 30, I think I did 10 cards at my dining room, like just pencil and ink, 10 cards. So I can, I can whip through like 30 in a weekend, um, 30 to 30 to 40 cards in a weekend. So it's kind of like the perfect medium for me. And I like the small confined space, but I do larger pieces for myself and, and occasionally for commissions. Um, but largely uh, sketch cards, I just fell in love with the format and people keep telling me I'm going to get burned out. Um, and I, oh. I have it. <laughs> I, oh, I got to say, I've been doing this for a really long time now and I can't say that I'm burned out, but as we've chatted with both Lindsay and I with other people, uh, the common thing is that you may not get burned out, but your eyes probably will. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fortunate. My eyes and hands are good. I don't so know far, why. So far, give it a few years. Give it a few yeah. years. <laughs> my back, you know, my mm. back isn't, I, I used to be able to draw for, I, I mean, when we did, remember we had, did you guys work, you worked on solo, the solo set where, where yeah. we had like literally a weekend to do 40 oh, cards, yeah. right? Uh, At, no. You didn't do solo? You, you don't remember? Yeah, I, remember. I don't remember. I sat in my solo my drafting table with a bottle of Johnny Walker and I finished it like four in the morning. Uh, so <laughs> apologies to those that <coughs> got my uh, solo cards. They were, <clears throat> they well, were not fueled not, by coffee. That's not our fault. To... No, no, but I mean, well, we get blamed I, it, for it, but... I made some interesting artistic choices at around 2 AM, but um, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I can't stay up till like three 30 and I just can't do it physically. Um, I when I started, like... I did the same thing. I was up uh, like super early, like four in the morning. And then, but, but of course, in those days, you had mm -hmm. to do like, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but 
you know, you had to do 200, 300, 400 cards and you had like three weeks to do them. You know, it's crazy. That's, you know, I would, but they were also sketches. They were many times they were just like, when you look at the old sketch cards, they were just quick line drawings. And I love those cards. Those are my favorite cards because I love pre-production. I love sketching. I love the conceptualization ideation phase. And I think that that was the the point of sketch cards used to be. And I think this is, you know, being, I'm going to put my myself down just a little bit, but in the most kind way, I think sketch cards used to be famous artists and production artists that were doing a quick sketch. That's why it was a sketch card. So you would have Dave Filoni, a quick, you know, sort of scribble of Ahsoka. And, you know, that was treasure. But what happened is they just started hiring, I think, really great artists, really great draftsmen and, and really great, incredible artists that really weren't famous. So now it, it created this market where there's just a lot of people that are famous for doing sketch cards, but are otherwise not famous artists. So the value, it's very strange how that entire field has shifted, right? Like, yeah, we just did an interview with uh, Jeff Zapata, and he's actually mm. a comic book artist from... Yeah, like, I know him. I'm like friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, he's wonderful. He's amazingly talented. He uh, he talked... He was saying exactly the same thing that you are saying right now. Yeah. Way back then, sketch cards really were sketches, and they re- they were done by people who... who were famous. Yeah, were the first famous. time I saw a sketch card, I was at a, a comic book convention, and John Romita Jr., was doing sketch cards because like a, you know, a drawing from him was, was hundreds of dollars, but you can get a sketch card for a reasonable amount of money of a John Romita Jr. Spider-Man, which people were like, all right, cool. You know? So that was, and now they're just, it's, it's, it's this like own industry unto itself, which is, it's still very, I still expect like fully, I don't know why, but I expect one day where we'll just get an email and say, you know what, we're not doing them anymore. But when you think about it, it's the easiest way for them to have something of value in a, in a, in a box of cards, it's, you know, it's painless. It's hard to organize all of us. They don't get one. People are really disappointed, aren't they? When they don't get one. So it, it depends. I don't know. I, yeah, I get, it depends. There's a lot of people that don't collect them. It People are, I, you know, I, I always think, I always try to keep it in the back of my head when I'm drawing sketch cards, like, I want someone to be excited when they get this because they pay a lot of money, a lot of money. to on a box of cards and i want it to be special and i maybe it's just i'm a hopeless optimist that's just i'm a teacher because i like people like i could never just be at a desk for for 20 hours alone in a room i know i tease about it but i can't like you could talk a lot i'm painfully social it's to a ridiculous extent but like i always think like somebody opening up cards i want them to to really be excited about it and when I first started doing um, sketch cards, I got like a lot of nasty emails in the very beginning, believe it or not, or messages through Facebook that were like, nobody wants comic book drawings. Like, stop. Like, there were people, there was one guy who was convinced that if I turned down the invitation, that like someone like Chris Penix would do more cards. Like magically, if I said no to 50, he they would give those to Carlos, you know, and they would give it to the, the realistic painters and there would be more of those cards magically. And I'm like, that's not really how it works. But I could I was like, you know, my art is subjective. So I, I appreciate the fact that you don't like what I do. And that's fine. But um, it doesn't really work that way. Like just because an artist you don't like doesn't do cards doesn't mean the artist you do like is going to take on that amount. That's just going to fill it with somebody else. And that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really shocked it, by that. That is so uh, rude. 
Oh, you and the other thing is my name, Mastermaker, is my actual. It's German. It's a real name. It's my actual name, Michael Mastermaker. It's not made up. And I think it was on the blowout cards forum. Someone posted like Mastermaker. How full of himself is him? Is he more like mediocre maker? And I was like, it's my name, dude. Like, I was you like, know, there there really are some people who just live to put other people down. I've gotten in the well, not anymore, because I hardly interact online much Mm -hmm. now i don't have the time as much as i did but they that did get i did used to get all kinds of like weird what you know who who the hell do you think you are and blah 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 blah. and yeah i mean everybody gets all these people (laughs) i you know i think they just want to be they want to be heard you know they're reaching out they want to be heard they feel that their opinion is is important enough that they want to email an artist and that they've never met and you just hear them out and just go all right thank-. like you're not gonna there's nothing you're gonna say to that person that's gonna change them or or it's not worth arguing over you just go okay thank you for your feedback and that's mm-hmm. it you know like you're you very generous well i mean i just it's not what you know like if you concentrate on that it you, you'll never do anything creative again right that's but, right for every one of them, there there's five people online that are wonderfully supportive and send you fantastic messages and YouTube videos of people flipping out when they, they pull a card that you made. And that's, you know, pay attention to that. Don't pay attention to the one jerk that's like, I don't like the way you draw Wolverine. It's like, okay. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm with you. I don't like so the way I draw I'm Wolverine. curious, do you, do you switch up your styles when you do different sets or do you stick... With a similar a, one, I stick to a sim. I, I stick to a similar one um, because I feel like that's why I get recruited to do what I do. That's they know me from from what I have. And uh, like we were talking before we started, that my sketchbook work is very different from my sketch card work. The sketch card work is is something that I can reliably do quickly. I, I've obsessively drawn with rapidographs, technical pens, and metal tip pens and brushes for 25 years right so i know that i can i know exactly how the material is going to work on the card i know i can use my markers i know it'll go on clean i know that it'll be um i don't have to fight with the materials to get the results that i want and for sketch cards it's all about deadlines you know that everybody you you have to and if you don't do them quickly it's not equitable (laughs) as a as an industry you just won't make any money doing them so there, and I do believe that there is a limit, honestly, unless you are famous, you know, scarcity breeds um, rarity breeds value in a way. So, and, and your name, of course, if you're, if you're reasonably um, famous for maybe doing other things, but I do believe that at a certain degree, there's a, a certain amount you can charge for just a piece of cardboard with some ink and, and color on it uh, when you're at a certain tier. And I used to do conventions I'm in New York, so I used to do conventions all up and down the East Coast, and I, it gave me a pretty good idea of what you could reasonably charge. You know, when you're sitting next to Neil Adams or um, uh, Steranko or any famous comic book artist, and you see what they're charging, you know, you have it in your mind that just because something took you a, an amount of time, we tend to attach an hourly rate to it. But you can't really do that because the fans don't care how long it took right like they don't they don't care they don't they just don't care that it took you five hours to do something if you're going to charge them six hundred dollars and they can go to john byrne or a famous comic book artist and buy a drawing of his for six hundred dollars 
it's hard. You have to know your way where your place is in that in that chain. And I know that's controversial. A lot of people, you know, disagree with me. It's but a fact I know of life. It's a fact. It's a fact. Of life. I just know where I can price my product to sell it. You know, could I get more? Of course, I could. But I know I budget my time over value. I it's a, I use math. Quite frankly, I look at you know people go, oh, you could you know you could charge double for your cards. I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, there I you know a card I did for DC's. Crisis on Infinite Earth sold for $12 on eBay. Like, that's the reality of our industry. Like, yeah. it, it did. Like, that's a sold item. One sold for $8.25. Yeah. So that just, you know, so like, yeah, you could, but I want, I want cash. I want money now. I want to, I want when the set comes out, I want my artist proofs gone before the weekend and the money in my account. That's just this the, way the real, am. this is actually a really important point that I think a lot of people I think most people actually do know it, but um, you know, the fact that art is art is also a business, whether you like it or not. And that's right. If you're going to, if you're going to admire it, you don't think of the business side maybe so much, but if you're a buyer or a set and a seller, of course you do. If you're a creator, you have to, you simply cannot do it. Otherwise the days of being happy, poor and, and creating stuff, you know, I'm, I'm not sure it ever really existed to be honest. Uh, I mean, there was no, I mean, there was a time in the eighties where, where a lot of people in New York were happy and poor artists, <laughs> but there was also a lot of drugs involved that keep them happy. So it's different. And now. Probably poor too. Yeah. Well, they were, they didn't really eat. <laughs> they didn't eat. That was, so they looked fantastic, but yeah. they were really, you know, <laughs> um, no, for I, you know, I also have the benefit, which again, I've gone back and forth um, with, with people a lot on it. I have the benefit of a job. Like I have a base job that pays my, my bills. That's my main source of income is my, my teaching position. Um, my faculty position, which, you know, affords me the ability to support my family. Yes. And this is the extra money that pays for, um, you know, my broken, wa uh, my washing machine broke and I'm getting a new one on Monday and taking the kids on vacation or buying new supplies because markers aren't cheap and, and new supplies so that I can make my own work. Right. Like, so I can do my own thing, but you know, it's, I think, I think there are a lot of people with unrealistic expectations um, within our industry. And I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't ever feel like I don't ever want to like cast judgment, but if you have 20 artist returns left from all of these sets and you just can't sell them, you might want to take a look at your price point, even though it's heartbreaking to you um, to think that your work is worth less than you think it is. Um, when you come to that reality uh, it makes life a little bit more, uh, it makes the, the, your decision whether or not you're going to do more work in this field um, based off of logic and, and finance rather than just, you know, and the other thing is if you enjoy doing it, just do it, you know, like that's kind the other have thing. have to like, enjoy it at least a little bit. Otherwise, all, sure. the, all the baggage that comes along with it just isn't worth it. Right. And the idea that like every once in a while I, I had another artist, this hasn't happened in a while, but they were like, you know, you're charging too little for your work. And as a result, I can't get the money I want for my work. And I'm like, well, I have, that's not true because it's a supply and demand issue. I have five items that I'm selling five. That's it. You know? So once they're gone, it, it's not like I'm continuing to, it's not like there's a continuous supply of artist returns from a star Wars set that I'm churning out. 
Like there's five people that I sold my cards to. They are now gone. And then the rest of the people, um, basically, if they want other cards, they have to go to alternative places. And I, I do think that the market does dictate what, you know, you have to pay attention to eBay. You have to pay attention to, to what every once in a while you'll see a card of yourself or triple the normal rate. And that's a nice feeling, but you can't, you can't base your, um, your time and, and, and expenditures on that, the anomaly. You have to look at the, what is the, the average sale price. And, but you don't sell your work for $5. I mean, no, 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 but I don't, I mean, my car, there are people who will do that. We'll take it. And and that does hurt the rest of us. I have to say, I do agree that that hurts. It can. Yeah. It again, it, it all depends on the circumstance, you know? And I think a lot of it is, an artist's responsibility to build up your following, your people that do support you and support what you do by being a part of the community. You know, the community also is very aware of individuals that are just sort of like pop in and sell stuff and pop out, you know, yeah. like um, I've had from, from the star Wars community and the Marvel community, a tremendous amount of support for what I do, not just for official cards, but for, my own stuff. Um, and that is, is due to just being, uh, you know, fair and, and, and helping people out and professional, like you, you hit the, the you, I can't tell you honestly, because again, coming from a, a graphic design background, a deadline oriented advertising, marketing websites, you know, deadlines are everything to me. And, and, you know, I, if you pay attention to the, the, the groups, I'm usually done before people start, right? Like, my, my Lord of the Rings card, my Middle Earth cards will arrive today. And I, I probably by Wednesday, they'll be on next Wednesday, they'll be on their way back to, to Cryptozoic. So you have actually, uh, you, you've come, you've, you've created yourself a style that you can do quickly. Like quickly. Lindsay was asking you about previously, you, you've got a style that you can do quickly and then you can adapt to your style that you yes. know, maybe you take a little more, bit more time. So you're flexible. I am. I like watercolor paint. And I like, uh, but I don't use it on cards um, because of the time. I don't have patience for it to layers to dry. Um, I don't have patience to blend colors. I just want, you know, all those markers that are right behind me. I know I need this color. I need this color. I need this color. I don't want to blend the purple for shadows and take time to do that because then a card, instead of taking 15 to 20 minutes, takes an hour to two hours. And at that point, I'm just fed up with the process. And I'm like, I don't even want to do this anymore get this thing away from me i like the the speed of it and i have to get reliable results because i you know like i said i have to do it quickly and a lot of times a lot of the card companies i work for especially the independent i work a lot for um you know some of the smaller companies i can't tell you how many times i get the email can you do 10 to more cards because x artist never finished or never never sent them back i mean I practically made a second career out of being that guy that random card companies were are like, Hey, yeah, you know, I need 20 monster cards by the weekend. Can you do that? And I'm, you know, I was recommended to you by RR Park, uh, Richard Parks, you know, or one of the indie companies or, or attic or, or one of those, you know, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I can do, you know, 20 puppet master cards by the weekend. No problem. And that's a great feeling, but it's also, you know, it's something to remember like deadlines, you know, horror stories from, from people that they commission an artist and it takes them two years to do a card. Like that's incredible. I still can't believe those stories that you hear about that. 
my anxiety wouldn't let me do that. Like I get too anxious. Like with the minute I get a commit, I just want to get it done and out the door. Like it drives me crazy when I don't mail things out. Like I, I can't, I could never live that way. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, sometimes it's because people are busy. I'm not, life gets in the way. I'm not, again, I don't cast judgment on anyone. All I can talk about is my own personal process, but I, when some, I'm very anxious. So when something it shows up, yeah, I got to get if it done. I got to Goals and it won't leave you alone until you've done it. Exactly. It's a pace. They, they sit sit there in my studio and I'm like, <laughs> nope, gotta get it done. It's gotta go. It's gotta get go back. Like my happiest mm. feeling is that FedEx box prepared to go back, taped up and done. Goodbye. Get away from me. Get out of my life forever. Um, <laughs> it's so satisfying. And it's funny because I just it's, you know, I just want to get done with that drawing so I could get to other drawing. It's yeah. like it's it's, 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 it's a little bit like uh, like we were talking about at the beginning when we started doing this podcast like Lindsay was saying you know why why do we do this to ourselves you know you it's like it's like agony while you're doing it then you're done you're happy okay let's mm-hmm. do it again <laughs> I, I mean yeah yes it, I, I never I never feel the agony there is something for me I don't know what it is I, I can't if I if I could figure it out I would definitely like you know be able to articulate it better but the the actual physical sensation of feeling the line on the paper like those you know in my work the hatching the the those all those little tiny lines i do draw some strange psychological and physical satisfaction out of it it always puts me at ease yes. no matter what is going on in my life i will take out if i just start doing these really detailed ink drawings it calms me down. And conversely, I always had problem in school because charcoal on newsprint, that tactile sensation makes my skin crawl. I cannot oh. do it. I it's, can't do it. Yeah. I, I actually so, understand it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I hate it. I had a figure drawing teacher that let me, she let me use ink, sumi, a sumi brush and ink to do my figure drawing. And that probably is the origins of me. I love to ink. I love pen and ink. I love that's. I want to get through the penciling as fast as possible. My pencils are usually scribbly and ugly, and and undecipherable. And then I go right into ink work because that's my happy place. And it's strange. I don't even think about it. And 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 people ask all the time, "Are you? Do you get nervous when you're?" And I'm like, when I watch people ink and they ink slowly, I can't. I'm just like, like I, you know, like you saw like the hot, the little hut video I posted. That's my normal speed, even when I draw my Star Wars cards. That's just what I do. Please um, say that you don't hold your pencil like this. No, I don't. I hold it uh, traditional, like the correct, which is why I don't have any issues with my, I guess, my hands. Yeah. I, draw. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. and but, uh, Is that what you do? Third finger instead of second. I don't no, mean people who do that. Yeah, I don't I know why. I'm a lefty too, so. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a lefty, so, so everything's backwards. What are your favorite tools to work with? Do you work digitally as well? I can't. I mean, I I don't um, anymore. I do, but I I do sometimes professionally. I've done some book covers in the past, and I do them in Procreate. <laughs> I I know, you know, I teach and know Photoshop, Illustrator, Premiere, Adobe Animate, Dreamweaver. Um, I know the full Adobe suite and I'm also well-versed in, in Maya 3d modeling software, um, and after effects and, and 
uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and I used to teach SQL and ASP, like, like database programming languages, which is painfully boring. And I could see, you know, that's, this is just what people want to hear about on an art podcast, right? Be like, I know how to program. I, I know how to fix databases. Um, but I <laughs> that's one of the reasons too, I draw sketch cards because my son, when he was like three, I spent a summer uh, fixing an accounting firm's database. And uh, that was so boring to have to explain to my son what I was doing every day. So I started drawing the cards. I was like, daddy draws the Hulk. And then he would just go to school and be like, daddy draws Hulk. And um, so it was much easier. But um, I do draw digitally, but uh, I stopped doing it. I used to have prints at conventions that I did purely digitally. They were totally 100% on the computer. And so many times people were like, oh, do you have the original of that? Because I'd like to buy the original. And I'm like, no, it's a digital drawing. And they were like, oh, that stinks. So then I started doing it. Um, I would do a marker drawing of the characters and then I would do the typography and everything digitally. And sure, sure enough, if there was an original drawing, people would buy them at conventions, really? the original marker. Yeah, oh yeah, all the time. So um, I realized that like there's in our society, we live in an age of replication where everybody's used to just being able to go on the internet, find an image, right click on it, download it if they want it or print it. And there's this real... Um, uh, cache which is why we do sketch cards that's attached to one-of-a-kind original pieces of artwork that's what people want they don't want a reproduction they don't want a digital file they want something that is totally a one-off and you, you know nfts and and block that's a that's an extension of that concept you know sort of thrown into a digital field but they really do want that one-of-a-kind original drawing so i don't digital is extremely convenient and i enjoy it um but for me, it's 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 markers and and paint because I find that the turn the the sales and the money that you make from it just makes it worth my my time. Um, I'd, I'd like and I use rapidographs mostly rapidograph pens. Um, my uh, right here, it's my high tech the Pilot High Tech C. I, I like a, a metal tipped pen. I hate. Uh, I hate like fine liners like that, like a micron. Oh, I'm yeah. not a, I, I don't even know why one is sitting in front of my computer. I don't like, I like brushes for my thicker contour outline. Um, you know, I usually think you, you and know. Lindsay have a, have similar taste in, yes. uh, in uh, markers. You both have, um, what, 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 I use Copic. I use everything. I mean, there's a, 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 like everything in that, my marker rack behind me. Um, but I use uh, Copic markers most of the time. But I also use chart pack, which are like old school ad markers. Tim Shin, one of our fellow uh, Tops artists, turned me on to it when we were having really bad paper stock from Tops yeah. that the marker wouldn't blend on. Uh, he was like, oh, just use chart pack and they work fine. And they do. They're so oversaturated. They smell awful in a basement. Like it's rough. Like, you know, you're doing something terrible to your body when you're using them. So I tend to use them upstairs. Uh, but they sure is like I'm working on a set right now that will not be named that the paper is a little um, rough. It's like sandpapery. And I know that if I use Copic on it, none of the skin tones are going to blend. So I'll just go in and slop on these ad markers and it'll work out. It'll work out fine. What was know? it you had, uh, Lindsay, that you showed me before we started? And I think it's the same ones. Uh, that, the markers that yeah, that's your paint pens. Um, Posca paint pens, yeah. I use white for that. Yeah. yeah. Just so that, yeah, it's, it's something that's 
would advise everybody to have is a white Posca, just if you need to add a highlight in the eyes or just a little bit, you know. Yeah, good. I've got them. Look, this is like my great bin of just like nonsense that I bring upstairs. So <laughs> for those who are only white. for those who are listening and cannot see, yeah, um, it's just a there are of, so many bins of pens behind Michael here. I have a bit of a problem. I have, I'm not, you know, I'm really, really outing myself with the video that like I may or may not hoard art supplies. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm sitting in, a, in another room in the house. I'm not in my studio, but I've right. got so many books and paintbrushes. Like I hoard paintbrushes. Yes. Well, there's <laughs> a lot to be said for a good paintbrush. So. There sure is, and they are really hard to find at a reasonable price. And the cheap ones are just not worth it. Well, well you end up looking in a shop, yeah, and you and you go, "Well, what's that? I'll fancy trying that. I'll try that. I'll try those colors." Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. I. Before <laughs> you know, it. <laughs> um, I feel when I feel bad, like when I'm when I'm down, I, I usually make an order to Jet Pens to cheer me up. <laughs> so. I obsessively use pen pens. I draw in ink 90% of the time. Like even in my sketchbook, a lot of what I post on Instagram um, are just straight ink drawings. There's no penciling at all. It's just ink and then watercolor on top of it. Or, or, I, was or just gonna, I was gonna ask you, do you do you do a lot of pencil sketches like for pleasure or for, for no. uh, composing or something? No, you go straight. No, I mean, just I'll, hash out basic shapes with a pen pencil to me is the lack of permanence maybe it's because i'm a hand dragger i drag my hand on the page so it smears and like I, I, as a lefty pencil has always just been a mess for me so I, I i rush through it sometimes to my detriment like i don't think about composition enough sometimes and i just kind of dive in i mean most of what i do for star wars now I, it's no secret like you know if you if you see my star wars work um I almost only do the animated stuff now. I don't even really draw the the actors anymore. I only do Clone Wars, Rebels, and Bad Batch cards. Um, Your style for a number is lovely yeah. on those. I mean, it's oh, really, thank you. Really, uh, you bring That's a really, level of depth to to your card to your uh, you know your, your animated style and all of that. I appreciate that, and uh, thank you. Really and cool. for me, comic book style on Star Wars, it's it's, yeah. it's different. I, I like it. It's my favorite Star Wars is those those animated series, you know, and I love the work that you uh, both of you do. Obviously, I'm huge fans. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the the the, the painterly, beautiful, um, uh, you know, the, the way that you capture emotion and feel is just absolutely gorgeous. And I mean, it's, you know, you're very great. kind. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm everybody feels the same way. She doesn't trust believe me. it's Michael. Oh, she it's, doesn't believe it's you know, we always covet. We always covet the things that we can't. We can't do right. We always. We always appreciate more, right? And I've always been a technical draftsman, and I remember years ago, like I was twenty four, and I was a finalist in an illustration contest, and they gave you back the uh, the feedback from the ju jurors, and one woman. It's funny. It's twenty four years later, and I'll never forget. She said, "Technically proficient." and emotionally vapid so the work was just completely and and it's absolutely true in so much of what i did at that time and still to this day like i just do a straight portrait you know and i try to make the line quality as tight as i can get it 
and uh, that's it. And then I move on, you know, um, as where I'm always jealous of people like even, you know, both of you and, and Ward, uh, Ward Silverman, who his work is just like they you capture the emotion of the character of the moment beautifully. Um, but and you tell a real your story. Character, you do portraits and and I don't see any emotional vapidity in any of that. Well, stuff. thank you. Really but nice they're also that. 3D animated characters. So they kind of had dead eyes to begin with. I'm, I'm half kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. The, when the, you're the, the, it's still difficult to know which lines to leave out. Oh, isn't yeah. It? yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. As well. You've got to pick, choose carefully. I don't think people appreciate that enough. If you pick the they wrong don't. line and you draw it, it's like, oh, it looks you terrible now. Right. Especially on the younger characters, it makes them too, look too old or the female. And I think at the end of the day, um, Tops, especially for Star Wars, I think the number one thing that they look for is a good drawing. That's, I think, first, that's what they care about. Is it a good piece of, uh, is it a good drawing, a good painting? Because I've seen a lot of images where likeness isn't dead on, but it's just a great piece of art and, and it goes through, you know? They're, and I, I really do trust, I know, maybe it's a little naive of me, but I do trust the art director's opinions. And coming from an advertising background, I've worked with art directors my whole career and I've had plenty of work rejected. <laughs> I've been yelled at. I've been, you know, what are you, what were you thinking? Um, you know, but like, I, I respect the opinion. And I think first and foremost, I try to make a good drawing. And then uh, the rest will, will come after that. And I've just found that personally, the, the characters that I have, Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano is my favorite Star Wars character by a, by a lot. Um, like it's not even close anymore, uh, you know, into the live action. Um, I adore her. And uh, my second favorite is probably Hera from Rebels. Hera Syndulla is my second favorite character. So I've seen these series. I couldn't get them uh, where, where I live. Uh, well, you just, just buy, buy the discs and get them. Get them over there. Get it. I'm telling you, you're missing out. Um, I, I adore uh, the, the animated stuff has the heart for me and the feel and it feels more, more like the comic books, which is what I like. It's not that I don't, I don't necessarily dislike the the films and even the ones that I don't, are not crazy about. I don't like, they don't make me angry or anything. <laughs> Just like, they all words. have something that's good, even if it's not uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but I just, the animated stuff, I just have a real uh, connection to Ahsoka's story is just, uh, she's my favorite. I can't wait till I ordered the hot toys. Clone Wars mm -hmm. version of her that's been delayed for like months and I can't wait to she'll be proudly displayed like right in this area well, um, you can see them. little Grogu's up there but my other big influences are like uh, you know Flash Gordon and uh, I like the serials I like Flash Gordon the Phantom and I'm a huge old movie fan and I'm a huge horror fan I'm really more of a horror nerd than a science fiction nerd and people don't realize like I love Frankenstein yeah, and Dracula. Chat a little bit about what you you had wanted to do a podcast, uh, just right. Uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to do a podcast because you know, um, and that's a you know, it's so funny. I get me talk so much, but like, um, I had a student once. This ties into the whole concept of the podcast. Many times, I have students, young students. I work with college students. They're right now. They're like eighteen to twenty-two. Okay, and about five years, maybe ten years ago, I was working with a student and. Um, he was designing stickers, graphic design stickers, and he drew this uh, character and he made a sticker of it and I and he put it on his laptop and I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's the 
that's the Cyclops or the the monster from the the either the the Golden Voyage of Sinbad or Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger. One of the old Sinbad movies from the '60s that Ray Harryhausen did all the stop motion for. It was the you know the Cyclops with the horn and the and the the yeah. sort of like. And he goes, I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't have any idea what that is. I'm like, well, that that's where that monster's from. I you know 100 know. I've seen the movie a ton of times. I grew up in New York. Channel 11 from 11 a.m. to two o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon put on monsters. That's what they put Godzilla movies on and King Kong movies. And that's what I grew up on. I'm like, trust me, I know where this is from. And he laughed and, and, you know, he's like, well, I, it's original. I designed it. I said, okay. And then he came to me like a month later and said, he was talking to his mom and his grandmother. And they were like, Oh, you know, that, that movie, your grandmother, when you were three and she would come over to like watch you on the weekend, she would pop in a VHS tape. And Sinbad was one of the movies on that VHS type. So you watch that over and over again between the ages of three and four. And he just didn't remember it. So this image of this Cyclops, this monster, had like been burned into his psyche for for yeah. 13, for 17 years and made its way into his, his graphic design work as a senior college student. And I think that that's really powerful. And I wanted to sort of have a podcast where people kind of like do a deep dive and deconstruct where what they do and how they do it comes from because it all comes from someplace so like nothing is really original right all we're doing is repeating the thing that we've seen before and we're trying to make it our own little version of we're it repeating but... it in our own way and uh... yeah exactly I yeah used to pause <laughs> draw gummy bears off at telly <laughs> exactly i used to um i i tell them like so hard for them to relate to because many i've reached an age finally where students don't even know what a vhs tape is <laughs> and why would they they were born in 2002 so you know you figure it was 2007 before they even knew what was going on and they grew up with dvds so they didn't you know and most of them they, they don't remember a time before the internet or youtube so um you know i explained to them anime early anime star blazers and Robotech, Macross, all that like huge influence on me when I was like seven. And I remember putting tracing paper over the TV and drawing, trying to trace Rick Hunter on, on Robotech, trace his face to try to draw it. And I remember the smell of like the ozone from the TV, that static, like from the CRT TV is like, as I tried to draw the face. Yeah. Well, you remember that? About that. Remember the, the Beatmax video players? I we in in America we went with VHS because it was it was cheaper you know, and very briefly for like a hot second Betamax was out, but it was it. you paused it and it just did that. So I yeah. used to have to play it and then just keep pausing it and just hoping I could get it still enough to exactly. from. Exactly, oh. they'll never know the struggle. Go into the flea no, market and buy in. I used to have to. There was a guy who went to Japan and would tape anime off of TV. And then come to the flea market and charge $40 for a bootleg cassette tape with like three episodes of Japanese television on it. And I would buy it from him. And now I could just go on Crunchyroll and watch whatever I want, right? What a, what a world we live in. Um, <laughs> but you can still see that in my work. Like you could still the, see the anime influences and, and uh, Alex Raymond, the original Flash Gordon comic strips and like discovering all of those, those things when I was younger and, and Conan. Uh, the black and white savage sort of Conan books that John Buscema did, they were like mind blowing for me. And just these weird things that you don't, you know, you have this affinity for and you don't even know where it came from. Like weird things like, uh, you know, when I had hair, when I was a little kid, my dad would take me to the barbershop 
And for some reason, the barber had comic books, but they were older comic books and he they were horror comics. Like he only had from Marvel, he had like Werewolf by Night and Tomb of Dracula and Ghost Rider. So those were because they were I didn't realize, you know, those were cheap books that you could get for a quarter a piece at flea markets or, you know, or or garage sales. And um, I would get my dad would get, you know, take me for a haircut and spend 50 cents on a comic book. And so I grew up reading these comics, not realizing that they weren't mainstream Marvel comics, you know, at the time. Now we live in a world where everybody knows who Doctor Strange was. But in 1985, when you were like Doctor Strange, people were like, what are you talking about? Like. It, ghost Rider, like you know, they, what the hell is Ghost Rider? What's wrong with you, kid? <laughs> Why don't you like you know Batman or 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 uh, Spider Man? You know, so when you're that kid at the comic book convention, flipping through, flipping through books, trying to find you know House of Frankenstein, they're like, you know, like what's for, what? What are you doing? Um, but now we live in a world where geek all geekdom is 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 celebrated. It's crazy. Like I can't believe. I cannot believe we live in a world where Doctor Who is mainstream in America. Yeah, that's, it's crazy, but don't worry. I think the pendulum will eventually swing back again because it always does. Oh, you um, think so? I think once the box has been opened, it's going to be really hard to close it's, it. It's been well; it'll never close quite the same way that it was. Of yeah. course, you know things things go back and forth. They never go back to the way they were, but they will. Mm. You know. Uh, yeah you're probably right thing i think uh i remember god i'm the oldest one here chatting right now so you know there was we had two channels on tv um, <laughs> i grew up with uh with sesame street and uh uh land of the lost and oh love land, like of the lost. land of the my lost. first my first crush holly when i was a little kid i, oh I loved her the, the Land of the Lost was really one of my very favorite. And I mean, it's so primitive when you look at it now. It's unbelievable. And of course, Space yep. 1999. and Great get, show. Yep. It's on Tubi smart, now. Get Smart was uh, was a, a show that was on a lot. And even though it was not. What about really UFO? Fun, Did you watch U UFO? No, couldn't get that one. Uh, that, that was also the Jerry Anderson miniatures, all the, the little miniatures. Is it really? And then. Uh, the yeah, it's a great, show, it's a good show. You probably, if you like Space 1999, you'd enjoy it. Ed I, I did show. like it. Well, of course, Martin Lando, that was way back in his early mm -hmm. days. Sure. And then, and then you had, um, what else was it you had? You had the original Mission Impossible, which was mm -hmm. quite a bit different. And mm -hmm. all those, yes. um, and, and, and all those old shows, those, those, and for me, when I was a kid, uh, uh, what is it the wizard of oz was what traumatized me and always <laughs> tends to it's, it's it's i was one of those really sensitive kids the so witch is one of the first times people remember being the afraid. Witch. it was not the witch it was wasn't the, the witch wizard. it was real the oh that the giant oh, okay the wizard and the fact that it was so scary and you'd pull back the curtain and it was just a regular person i was terrified to go upstairs in the dark for years wow <laughs> me. so now when i paint try to paint creepy things i try to remember the fear i had of the wizard of oz it's the weird. wizard of oz yeah see that's exactly that would be perfect was, uh, that what was your film that you were most scared of michael when you were a kid can you remember what freaked you out the most um and it's stuck in your brain and just i you know it's it's <laughs> It's probably, you know, I had these parent, my mom and dad, um, they were really protective of the type of media that I got to see, but they were only really protective of the nudity. 
and not the violence, which was so odd. Like they were scared to death that I would see a breast, but were okay with me seeing someone murdered. So the first time I remember being scared was probably around the time I was probably around seven or eight and I was not supposed to be watching it. It wasn't like I was allowed to, but I snuck in, uh, I was on channel 11. So it was edited for television, but the original Halloween, which is still my favorite um, horror movie of all time, uh, John Carpenter. I'm a huge fan. I love the thing, but Halloween when Jamie Lee Curtis is trapped in the closet um, terrified me in a way that I couldn't sleep for days, terrified me. When And I actually had a real aversion to hangers, like the wire hangers that she uses to, like, defend herself. And those, whenever I would see those closet doors, um, like those sort of, like, bifold closet doors, they always irked me. And I and I couldn't remember. I didn't understand why. But that was, that was, that really, fr- but, I mean, also the Wizard of Oz, the witch, I was legitimately afraid of the Wiz. But more than the original Wizard of Oz, uh, I saw the Wiz, uh, the one with. Um, I've not seen that one. The one with Diana Ross and Michael Jackson and the witch. There's a lot of like, it's really surreal and freaky. Hey, there he is. Um, really <laughs> surreal and freaky. If you have not seen it, uh, I think Joel Schumacher. The, yeah, the, the, it's set in um, like, a, like a sort of like fantasy version of Harlem. But like, it's really terrifying. <laughs> to a, I got I to gotta look that up. <laughs> The whiz. Yeah, there's a garbage cans that come to life to eat people, and uh, oh like God. the Tin Man is a carnival barker that they find at Coney Island, and the lion is one of the lions outside the New York Public Library, and he breaks out of the the, the stone, and the crow is being tortured. The scarecrow is being tortured by crows, um, which is Michael Jackson plays the scarecrow, and he's phenomenal. The music is really good. But... When they burst out the statue. I maybe I don't know. Joel Schumacher, I believe, was the the guy who directed the Batman, the later Batman movies that were sort of like Batman, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. I think he was an art director on that film. It was a really big budget kind of like flop. Um, but uh, I don't know. For me, my mom loved musicals, so anything with music in it was always going to be on in my household, whether it was appropriate or not. Um, but that really that really terrified me that film i don't know why but it did um, so all these but, these these elements that you were you were kind of hoping to get into that podcast that you wanted mm-hmm. to start yes that's that's, that's talk that's about the things that you would like to uh, do you think you're going to stick with that i mean i don't i got to find the right partner you know you guys you, you can't do it alone you know mm-hmm. you have to find the right i think you need i think it takes two people i, I mean i know there's a lot of single person podcast where they just interview another person but i i almost feel like i like the dynamic between two people having a discussion so that you don't always require a guest because we know it's hard it's really hard these days to schedule um anything with people remotely even just to do the things that we we love to do it's it's really really difficult so i don't know i you know it's something i gotta revisit um i have a few people that i would like to do it with but it's like again it's time one of them has three jobs and, you know, like they're Great. always into some. Yeah, he's an art installer. And like there's just people that have like all all different um, things that they're doing. And, you know, in New York, <laughs> they always say you have a, a main job, a side job and a little bit of fraud. Um, but, I'm, <laughs> you know, but like uh, it's it's expe- here. It's expensive uh, to live in, in New York. It's very expensive. expensive so. to live anywhere. It is. It is. But, you know, in our country, at least in, in the U.S., 
Yeah. It's one of the more expensive places to live in the U.S. So you have to you have to do a little bit more to get by. I, I'm very fortunate. I'm not complaining. I'm very fortunate that the the little bit more that I get to do is all stuff that I would like to do and I would do anyway. I'm still blown away by the fact that people pay me to draw whatever I want. Like yeah. when I get to do sets that are like fairy tales and fantasy, it's just like just here's a here's a box of cards. Draw whatever you want, you know. And I think. Anyone who comes from a background of uh, professional oh, art. Fantasy fairy tale stuff. I don't think I've seen much of it. I think mostly I've just seen Star Wars and, you, and you know, the uh, sketchbook stuff. Yeah, I don't. I'd love oh, to I, fantasy, but... I forget to take pictures of them nowadays. I do them and I just like send them off and I'm like, oh no. Like I was yeah. doing something for um, uh, like another artist. I forget which shot it was. And he was like, Oh, could you do me a favor and just send me some pictures because I want to use it for the promotional materials? And I was like, I didn't take any pictures. He's like, you took no pictures? I'm like, no, he's... And I guess it's funny because in the beginning, I remember the first set I did for Star Wars. I did like, of course, I was like 80. I'll do 80 cards. Oh, God. Why? Because um, I, I was an idiot. I just, I didn't know any better. I just was like, I was so excited to draw official cards. And all I'm thinking is like, ooh, cantina monsters. There's a lot of cantina aliens. I'm going to do 80. I'm going to do 80 walrus men. I don't know. It seemed like a grand idea at the time. Of course, by card like 40, I was done. I was just bored of, of the subject matter. Um, but That's a real issue. That's a real issue that, that a lot of, you know, you, you kind of have to come to terms sometimes with, well, I'm sick of drawing this today or yeah. this week or whatever, but you kind of have to do it anyway. It's hard to stay inspired at that. It is. And the other thing is like, if you like drawing, I love drawing monsters as we just, I love monsters. And I try to remind myself, like I'll find myself drawing like an obscure character that was on an one episode of clone wars. And then again, in the back of my head, I'm like, is anybody going to want this? Like the collector that opens up a case and is like, Oh, it's this guy <laughs> like oh yay um but on the other hand there is someone who's going to be looking just for that particular character because nobody else you hope that. you hope but i you know i try to keep it like i'll mix it up with characters that i know have a following like i I try not to draw like i'll draw quinlan voss who i know people collect or ala sakura versus like just some random droid that was in an episode of clone wars that i love um, like I was, I, 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 you know, I watch those shows all the time, but I got to remind myself again, I know you shouldn't, you should just do what you want, but like the bounty hunter set, which has not been released yet, <laughs> the infinitely delayed bounty hunter set. Um, I drew all the bounty hunters from the, the, the arc where Obi-Wan Kenobi goes under spoiler alert, goes undercover as a, as a bounty hunter. And that you meet all of these like crazy monster bounty hunters. And I drew them all, and I know that there's going to be messages on Facebook like, who the hell is, what the hell is this mushroom with guns? Like, what is this from? Like, what is that? What the hell did this person do? And there's going to be some disappointment because there's going to be a lot of people going, I don't know what that is. Like, I remember I drew um, Boba Fett from the Clone Wars before he had his dad's armor, where he had a different set of armor that he wore when he was in training. And people were like, who is this character? I'm like, it's Boba Fett. And they're like, no, it's not. Who is it? I'm like, it's Boba Fett. And they're like, wait, no, who? I'm like, no, really, it's Boba Fett. Like, it's even when he was being trained by Aura Singh and Bosk, like, this is the armor that he wore. And they're like, really? Boba Fett used two guns? I'm like, yeah, Boba Fett used two guns. Like, yeah. and it's a big train heist episode with a young Dengar voiced by Simon Pegg. 
you should watch it. It's really good. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. Um, Actually, but I, I do that a lot. But I try to keep it in the back of my head. Like, I know. It's like, does anybody, will anybody want this? Like, yeah. Because you do have to, I mean, we are making a product, right? Like, yeah. I want somebody to be excited about it. So yeah. I try to stick with the obscure character, like not obscure, but lesser known characters that pe- I know that people collect and that gets me through it. And then I don't commit to more than like 40 cards. Max. Unless I have a plan. Yeah. What do you, think, like, do you think there's a future for sketch cards? We're going to be coming to the end of this. So this will yeah, be, I know. Like I'm sorry. The, uh, the, um, uh, this will be kind of a, a something I'd like you to have your thoughts on do you think there's a future for sketch cards or or is this a flash in the pan a really long flash in the pan but a little... really long flash in the pan <laughs> um that's an interesting question um do i think there's i think i hope so i mean that, i'll start off by saying i hope so um i think for the larger companies i think it might be Something that uh, the issue that we have with Star Wars, to be completely honest, is that most of the actors are really old. Like people don't want to accept that, like Harrison Ford is eighty years old, so they get really mad when, like, oh, he didn't sign. Like, you know, people, how you know, Billy D. Williams is ninety or almost ninety. Um, Like, yeah, he's in his late eighties. So, um. There's a real limitation of of you're either going to get an autograph or you're going to get a sketch in a set, right? Like those are the, those are the things. And autographs are in short supply because the newer cast doesn't really sign anymore. You know, Oscar Isaac has no interest in it. John Boyega's moved on. Daisy Ridley's moved on. I don't see them ever coming back to sign. They got Natalie Portman, which was a big get. I don't know how much you know how many more of that she'll do. Um, thankfully they kind of repaired their relationship. It seems with Hayden Christensen and some of the, the people from the prequels, which is nice to see them, them signing. Cause I know they have big fans that grew up with them and really want those cards, but realistically with the death of, of Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, Carrie Fisher, you know, these, these greats, um, how long are they really going to be able to produce star Wars sets with anything other than voice actor? Yeah. Uh, right. And, and television stars, um, so I think the sketch card, unless they figure out a way to replace the sketch card as a quote unquote hit in their product, I think it's kind of here to stay um, for the foreseeable future. The the same can be said for like the Marvel stuff. Um, but for other things, I've already seen them like in the sports world. Um, you know, it's it's very hit or miss as to whether or not I think that unless they come up with something to replace them, that is again, something that they can, um, they can do for a, a minimal amount of investment. Um, card companies are, 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 I think a little bit more careful. Uh, Cryptozoic, which we've been talking about, got itself into a little bit of trouble by, I think they really overpaid for the licenses to Rick and Morty and Steven universe. They, they paid for them when those those licenses were the biggest thing on the planet. And then they've kind of, I don't want to say they've left the public consciousness, but they're not really talked about anymore. You know, and the same thing for people that paid for licenses like Game of Thrones. I can't think of any franchise in modern history that went from being so part of the zeitgeist to being completely not even talked about anymore, like Game of Thrones. It's kind of amazing. Not so even a car- new series coming up? 
No, because again, I don't think anybody would care, unfortunately. And they're fans, and it's a great series, and I'm glad that there are still fans. But what I'm saying is, like, it's really hard for for card companies to judge those things. You know, we haven't done the Walking Dead. You know, there's no Walking Dead cards anymore. There's no Stranger Things. They, I don't think those card sets did great because they're gone. Like, we haven't had invites for that. You know, I'm really down to Star Wars, Marvels, and, and indie sets. But I think that the indie market has a voracious appetite for sketch card art. You see I Kickstarters I get funded agree. in hours, in hours. Like people ask for 3000 and get $6,000. Like the, the, the Kickstarter for Ultraman, the Ultraman set that RR Parks that I do, and I worked for Richard for years and I love him. He's, he's a wonderful person to work for. He's done a lot for me. He's recommended me to so many jobs. So, um, and I really appreciate my relationship with him, but his Kickstarter was so wildly successive, successful that it proves that if you find that license that people have been waiting for, you know, there's no amount to what they'll give to get it. Um, and but so he I has do also think, put a lot of time into finding what those people would want. And doing he really has. And, and the extra, and he takes the money and he really puts it into the product by, getting hard to get autographs and just premium content, which I, I love. And I feel like a lot of the independent companies that I work with, like Attic, um, you know, and, and other uh, companies, I feel like they really do a great job of finding that, that, that market. Finding uh, again, the market as, and coming up with some original ideas to help I, make it interesting. I and really I think agree with that's, that. That's the future. I think the future of our industry is artists, producing sets with other artists and and fans like really devouring that content i don't know that there'll always be star wars sketch cards but i don't think that the medium is going anywhere and i got to say the art show the last solo exhibition i had which i called dungeons and drawings which was last summer i had a wall uh and you can find it it's it's way back if you look in next summer on my uh there's a video of one of the art installers putting up 200 over 200 sketch cards on a back wall of the gallery and um it was wildly uh it was really successful and it was wild to see people walk up and have no idea that this format existed because it's it's funny but like you know um i, I do all of these sets but i, I just want to show you if you indulge i know we're but like I have a binder that is literally filled with my my practice cards. Wow. That have nothing to do with anything. That are just stuff that I do to, to keep myself busy. And you talk about like experimenting with styles. You can see that's no line in those. Those are all just kind of like paintings and they're shaped. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean awesome. This is what I do. If you leave me to my own devices, you know, I'll draw a Catherine Hepburn sketch card. <laughs> you could see, like, wow, they are amazing. Thank you. Um, and I, this is, I do this for, for fun. Like that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that somebody pays me to do something that I'll do anyway. You just give me sketch cards and I'll fill a binder. <clears throat> and I think that they still remain an economical way for someone to own an original piece of artwork. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's great. I think that it fills out like when I go to conventions or I go to art shows, like I do a lot of outdoor art shows for my association with the galleries and, and stuff. Um, and they always get a big reaction and people do 
buy them. People do, you know, they pick them up um, because they can't afford, you know, $300 for a painting, but they can afford, you know, between 25 and, and $40 for a quick sketch card that's on my table. And they're, they're comfortable with doing that. And they get to take something home for the day that's kind of special and unique and one of a kind. And I don't think it's good. The format is necessarily going to, um, going to leave us, but I think it will evolve. I think it will change. Yes. I do agree with that. You know, um, and I'm eager to see that. And I think it's up to us artists to, to help bring about that change and being flexible. You know, when you see people trying to make something happen, um, you, you know, if you can do 10 cards to help them out, to lend some, 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 some help to them to produce something that's, that's meaningful, you know, um, that helps move us forward. You know, we can't just depend on, on the big names, you know, like we can't, we can't always, you saw, we were just talking about how long it's been for uh, star Wars stuff for us to do star Wars stuff, you know? And um, if we wait around for that to be productive, waiting for an excuse to be productive, um, that's not oh, going to happen. And I, you can't yeah, wait we, people to bring, no, you can't things. wait. You have to go out and, and do things on your own a little bit. And, and the thing that I miss the most is the, the, the groups that we're a part of, the artist groups that we're a part of because of the lack of, of work have been quiet. And I miss everyone, you know, like that's a, that's a great byproduct of this entire process is meeting, you know, people like yourselves and so many just awesome, awesome folks that we get to interact with and see the most beautiful work, um, work in progress um, and, and seeing everything that all of the artists are up to it's that real sense of community that that's what keeps me going uh, always, always. And I, I benefit from working at a college. Like I said, I'm always surrounded by 20 creative young people, which nothing will motivate you to work more, you know, full stop. Honestly, it's, it's awesome to see college students experimenting because it's, they're at that age where art is the most important thing in the world to them. You know, their work. They're, they're not so afraid of maybe trying something that you wouldn't have tried you know for whatever reason that they'll, right. they'll push it a bit and explore things a little more that you might not have it's wonderful it's wonderful and they you know they they treat the work with a seriousness that um i truly appreciate so i i don't i, I think it's evolving i i think we're, we're okay for for a while because <laughs> they've already made announcements that there's going to be sketch cards in these sets so they're they're kind of you know they're they're beholden to us now um but i don't know and and people People always ask too, like, are you going to, you know, I've seen a lot of people in the last like couple of years bow out um, and say, you know, I'm not going to do this format anymore. And, um, you know, I, I always say, if you just take a break, like I, I never would want to do something with that level of finality, you know, I just be like, I'm done. I just be like, I'm just, you know, I, I won't do it. If I, if I feel that way, I won't do a couple of sets and I'll, you know, but I, I don't love them too way, much. Yeah. I'm the same as you. We, you know, with the size and it, they're just perfect for me. They're perfect. Looking, yeah, it's great. She's constantly ideas, new drawings, new, new, new. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's if we're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it anyway, you might as well have somebody you know pay you for it or give you direct you and be like draw this. I like that. I almost like that. People don't understand that either. Like like art directors, I'm like, no, you can tell me what to draw. I like that. I like if you're like draw these. You know, I remember Richard, when we were doing Ultraman, he's like, would you mind drawing some of the actors and not just draw the monsters? Because, you know, I know that you do good portrait work. And I said, yeah, I would love to. Tell me, who do you need me to, you know, like, I like that challenge as well. I'm like, yeah, I'll draw the people. I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't all have to be guys in rubber suits. I'll draw some of the actors. That would be lovely, you know. And 
you know, I just, I just love doing this, you know, after we, we after we we're done here, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to color some cards in at the dining room table. I'm going to, well, on that note, I think yeah. we'll let you go upstairs Thank you. and continue those cards and all of that. I'm going to. Thank you very much. And it was wonderful to be here. It's so nice to meet you in person. Well, it's really nice to meet you, too. I know I've, I've seen you around. And Please yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah. I was just saying thank you so much for coming and talking to us. It's been so interesting. And like you say, it's just so nice to meet people properly. It hear is. a voice it and see a face. And... Yeah, Where it is. Awesome. Find you. Oh, um, uh, they can find Michael Mastermaker uh, on Facebook uh, and Warp Zone Graphics. W A R P Zone. Z O N E Graphics. Yeah, that's uh, from back in my con days. My 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 partner. I used to have a, a friend of mine uh, come with me to the conventions to handle the money and the booking and the because I would be drawing at the table and you can't draw and chit chat. Um, and uh, that was actually Warp Zone was his his license plate after the Mario Brothers. And we were like, that's a good name. And that's been my Instagram handle for so long that um, that's what I use. But everything that I post on Instagram also gets posted to my personal Facebook and the business Facebook. It's it's all it's all just me. It's just me drawing stuff in, down here in the dungeon and then and then posting it. If I remember to post it a lot of times I did buy a uh, recently buy a tripod that I can use to record. um sketchbook like i did with the hut record some of the drawings but now i have to find time to in between sketch sets to actually draw in the sketchbook so you know it's a great idea but you know as there's a fedex delivery waiting on my time and it's tricky to get it It all hits at once like there was nothing going on forever and then you get like 15 emails and and in like two days asking like how's your how's your commission look and it's like oh you know so uh we'll see but keep drawing stay happy Keep drawing, stay and, happy. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. My I hope absolute you can pleasure. do this again. Absolutely. I would love to. Part two. We'll talk about more monsters. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please leave a review wherever you listen. This helps people find us. All links to guests or sites mentioned will be in the show notes. You can find Lindsay on Facebook at Lindsay Grayling Sketchcards or search for Cartoon Cosplay. You can find me at IngridKVHardy.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash IngridKV.Hardy. This podcast is independently funded, meaning the costs come from our pockets. If you'd like to help with even just a couple of dollars, Become a patron at patreon.com slash Ingrid Hardy. Music and audio editing for this podcast is done by Victor Besset. If you have any feedback on today's episode or want to suggest a question of the week, email us at thepenciledpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us at inpenciled on Twitter, or on Instagram where we are at thepenciledpodcast. We'd love to hear from you.